The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Come on, there we go, there we go. Listen, this has got to be the happiest place on planet Earth. When the saints get together and we can worship Jesus and celebrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what gospel means? Almost too good to be true news. Listen, if you really believe that, you would be the happiest people on planet Earth. Come on, and we are. We have to be. And I feel that in this room. And I'm really, really, really excited to be with you guys. Excited to uh, be with Ann again and meet John today for this morning for the first time. Uh, I do have my wife. Chelsea, do you mind just standing up? I just want to introduce uh, my wife, Chelsea, with me. she gets to come at least on one international trip with me a year. I've been traveling different places around the world, and I, I really love when Chelsea gets to travel with me. I have two kids, a five-year-old little girl named Abigail. Abigail means her father's joy, the father's joy or fountain of joy, and her middle name is Joy. Which is really good. She gets a double portion. She's going to be joyful whether she wants to or not. Come on. How many people know that that's the Father's heart for you is to be joyful? We'll talk about joy later on. But I actually uh, met my daughter before she was born. I had a vision. I was in worship and went into this vision. I was in the room. I can't really explain it. I was in the room worshiping, but I was also somewhere else. And uh, in this vision that I had, I was literally, I was pushing a little girl. She's about three or four years old. And she jumped off the swings. You know how like little kids do? They go flying through the air. They jump off the swings. And she ran around and she came to me and I started having a conversation. I remember a butterfly flew between us. And, and then I had this conversation with her and then boom, I'm back in the room. And I hear, I hear the father, God say to me, you're going to have a little girl named her Abigail Joy. And so I said, wow, that's cool. So I went home. I told my wife, we knew we were pregnant, but we didn't know what we were having. I said, I don't know if this baby will be our girl or not, but eventually we're going to have a little girl and we have to name her Abigail Joy. She, she gets so excited. She said, cause we've never talked about it. She says, I've always wanted to name my first little girl, Abigail. And so cool. Is that cool? So good. God knows us. He knows who we are, knows, and she is, she is so full of joy. And we have a little boy named Gabriel Michael, Gabriel two archangels. Yeah. Isn't that cool? My middle name is Michael. Gabriel means, um, let's see, champion of God. And Michael means who's with God. It's a champion of God who is with God. How good is that? And really, there's the, it, the story for Gabriel is not as, uh, you know, super crazy spiritual as, as, as the other one you might think, but, uh, he is named Gabriel because of a salad. Yeah, anybody, you know, my wife had, uh, pregnancy cravings. Anybody know about those? Like, and so she had a craving for a salad one night and we were, we were kind of going back and forth. What should we name? Um, look, there's my kids calling right now. I should probably cut off these things when I'm doing it. <laughs> so she had a pregnancy craving, um, for a salad one, one night and, uh, She's like, and I had my pajamas on. Like I was, I was ready to like watch a movie. I wasn't going to go out, anything like that. She's like, babe, can you please go to the store and get me this salad? It's like a, a restaurant. I'm like, I'm not going to get, you know, the salad. She wanted to name our son Judah. I want to name him Gabriel going back and forth. And she said, if, if you go and get this salad, I'll name our son Gabriel. <laughs> I said, done, quick. <laughs> so his name is Gabriel. And uh, they're with my sister who was just calling me right now. And um, 
you know, I love, I love the fact that my sister is watching them that knits her heart. I'm from Virginia. Uh, Newport News, Virginia. It's on the coast of the United States. Uh, I met my wife in YWAM, Youth with a Mission, or otherwise known uh, as Young Women After Men. And uh, <laughs> and she got me. And uh, so we so we got married. Uh, literally, we got engaged in two days after. Actually, one day after we got engaged, she got deported back to Canada. She's from Calgary, Canada. So we get engaged. She gets deported to Canada. I follow her to Canada, which is God's sense of humor. Because I remember uh, when I first got saved, I told the Lord, I said, God, I'll go anywhere in the world for you. And kind of jokingly, but not jokingly said, except for Russia. And the only reason I didn't want to go to Russia, I love Russia, I love Russian people, but the only reason I didn't want to go there is because to me that was way too cold. That's the frozen tundra. And uh, I say God has a sense of humor because I forgot to say Canada. <laughs> and here I am living in the frozen tundra. And he knew the only way he was getting me there was a, was a beautiful br- brunette with blue eyes and me following her there. And so uh, literally we got, we got married, moved back down to Redding, California, to a church called Bethel Church. And we lived in Redding for a season. Um, and then from there, we got pregnant with our first little girl, Abigail, and we didn't have health insurance. So it made a lot of sense to go have the baby for free in Canada. And so we went back to Canada, had the baby there, but also God was moving us back there. And we planted a church called Imagine Church in Calgary, Canada, five years ago. And that is hilarious because I would have never thought I would plant a church. Um, but when you're following the Lord, uh, he, he works all things t- together for good for those who love him and call into to his purposes. And when you lean not into your own understanding and trust the Lord with your whole heart, mind, and soul, he'll direct your path. And honestly, it's been the best thing that I've ever done. It's, uh, it's like throwing, throwing a kid in the deep end of the pool, sink or swim. I had to learn quickly, and we learned lots of lessons, and we've had a lot of fun. Um, but my always thing that's always been my passion is sharing the gospel. I love to share the gospel. I love to share the good news of Jesus Christ because I wasn't always uh, born again, just like you were always weren't born again. And at the age of uh, 11 years old, my, my, at the age of two years old, my parents divorced um, and my dad uh, got remarried. He came from a Baptist background, uh, German, German parents, really kind of religious kind of environment. How many people know that you can know about God and you can be religious and not know God? There's a man named Nicodemus in the Bible and John 3 thought he could do all the right things to get to God, but you can't do all the right things. Nobody can ever do enough good things to get to God. It's, it, you can, the only way that you can see the kingdom of God is if you're born again. And uh, I just knew a lot about God, but I didn't know God. At the age of 11 years old, I went to a, a Christmas service. And in that Christmas service, the, uh, Dr. James White shared the gospel um, and the Christmas story. And I responded at 11 years old. I realized I was a sinner and I needed a savior uh, to save me, to cleanse me of my sins. At 11 years old, I went up, I got saved. I remember I went home and uh, I heard the Lord's voice. He told me I needed to start honoring my mom, respecting my mom at 11 years old. But I never went back to church after that, you know, because it was more just uh, culture. You know, everybody's a Christian, fire insurance Christian, you know, like uh, I'm a Christian, so I don't burn kind of thing. Um, so, but it wasn't a whole lot of relationships. So we never really went back to church um, unless my mom was to break up with a man. My mom was a codependent. 
um, which means her, she was attracted to guys during that time that she could fix. So it was stepdad after stepdad after stepdad, or even if she didn't marry them, it was, they moved into her house. So that was kind of my life, very dysfunctional family. Um, and I got to see my dad on the weekends, who was a believer, um, but just did, bucked the system. He he was a black sheep in the family. Uh, didn't ever feel like he measured up in church. Didn't feel like he was ever good enough. And uh, but he believed in God. I remember when we were five years old, being really poor. I think we had a pack of hot dogs in the in the refrigerator, and we couldn't pay the electric bill. It was really cold, so we were all sleeping on the couch together for body heat. And as a little kid, you don't recognize that kind of thing. That's fun, you know. You just do a tent on the couch. You get to sleep with dad. You're excited about that. But I remember waking up and. And dad put our shoulders together. He said, look me in the eyes, boys. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you can do anything in this world. And uh, so that was dad's kind of planted that seed of faith. But he was also um, would uh, do karaoke two nights a week, drink a, drink a lot of booze and do karaoke. And I remember it was a lot of fun, actually. We would slide in singing Grease Lightning on our knees with our hair slicked back and uh, whatever. But my that was my view of Christianity. You believed in God, but it didn't, it wasn't really reflected in your everyday life. And so when I got saved at 11 years old and didn't get plugged into the family of God, didn't get discipleship, I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, uh, I'm saying all this for a reason because after today, I think that there's the Holy Spirit is going to touch a lot of people today. How many people know that you're not the best evangelist? Everybody should put your hand up. Yeah. You're not the best evangelist. You're not the best pastor. I'm not the best pastor or speaker or evangelist or apostle or prophet. Uh, But here's the great news. Our best friend is. The Holy Spirit is the best evangelist. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to grip people's hearts today. That a lot of you are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, you don't have to wait any longer than this morning, I believe that God, the Holy Spirit's going to touch you and he's going to fill you and you're going to feel a compulsion to go to the streets, to share the gospel with what you have. You're going to be faithful with what you have and you're going to start seeing people get born again. You're going to start seeing people get healed. Um, you're going to start seeing people encounter God. Um, but it's very important that after they encounter God and they get born again, that they get plugged into the family of God. See, that's what happened to me is I, I accepted Jesus, but I didn't get plugged into the family. And I remember the Lord told me that the church is largely like a global orphanage where people get born again, but they're left to fend for themselves. Oftentimes, even when they get in a church, even a big church, you know, like this, oftentimes it's very easy to slip through the cracks and actually not get plugged into a family. But God's, God's idea of government is family that we would be fathers and mothers and that when people get born again, they would be fathered and mothered and born into a family. And so uh, I just didn't know what I didn't know. So um, at 16 years old, I started robbing houses. I had 18 felonies. Uh, Lane and uh, felonies are like major crimes. I found out in Australia, you guys don't have that system of felonies and misdemeanors, but uh, misdemeanors are kind of low crimes. Felonies are major crimes. You lose your right to vote. You lose your right to do a whole lot of stuff. You can't get a job, all that kind of stuff. Um, but at 16 years old, I had 18 of those bad ones and uh, got put in juvenile detention. And I remember a guy came to the juvenile detention preaching the gospel. Uh, and I remember it being stirring my heart, but I just didn't know 
what I didn't know. I say the blind are blind. They don't know what they don't know. I just didn't know that there was anything more. I thought I'd already, you know, said the prayer. Uh, I'm going to heaven. Uh, and that's all there was to it. I didn't know that there was a relationship to it. I might even be praying on my way to fight somebody that I would win the fight or praying as I'm driving down the road drunk that I wouldn't get a DUI. Like I just, honestly, that's how lost I was. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And there's people that are out there that we need to take off the judgmental glasses and realize that they're only walking in the light that they have. Come on. They're only walking in the light that they have. And the only way they're going to see a difference is you and I, if we're going to live our, our, our life of faith out loud so the whole world can see it. We're not going to put our light under a basket, as Jesus would say, of fear, fear of man, fear of what people are going to think, fear of failure. But we're going to let our light shine before men that our good works would glorify our Father who's in heaven. They would see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven in Matthew 5. Amen? And so I remember um, at the age of 16, being in juvenile detention, getting stirred up by a preacher that came through, but not really responding because I didn't know that there was anything more to it than what I had already done. So I get out of juvenile detention and I'm lifting weights. I was a, a football player, star football player in high school, uh, being recruited to play at Virginia Tech uh, University. And in Virginia, football is like religion. It is a God. You, everybody that plays football. And um, I remember um, lifting weights in my garage and the 45-pound dumbbell rolling down the, the driveway. And it was going to run into a car that was driving by, a lowrider green car. And uh, as it was rolling down the driveway, I remember this car driving by and, uh, and I grabbed the weight right before it hit the car. And the guy that was in the passenger seat looks over at me and his face completely deforms, fully black eyes, pointy ears, pointy teeth. And he like kind of hissed at me. Now, remember, I'm not a, I'm not a Christian at the, like, I'm not walking with the Lord. I don't have any box or context for the supernatural, any of that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, Ooh, I guess I, you know. Uh, you know, whatever, so, you know, and seeing things. And I didn't tell anybody. I didn't want anybody to think I was crazy. Um, about a week later, I had a party one night, got really uh, inebriated at the party and uh, passed out that night. I was supposed to get up the next day and go out into the country and help my granddad uh, build a house uh, or build an addition on his house. He lived out in the country and uh on the way out there, I got, I had never been there. I got lost. So I pulled over and I got to the payphone and I called him because I lost my cell phone the night before. It was a wild night. And, uh, I take my seatbelt off and I get out and I use the payphone. Hey, where am I at, granddad? You know, I call my granddad D daddy. Hey, D daddy, uh, where, where am I at? He tells me where to go. I get back in the car. It's a two lane highway going this way, two lane highways going this way. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm driving down the inside lane, which is the fast lane in, uh, in the States, and a car pulls up beside me in the slow lane, and it starts coming over into my lane and running me off the road. Uh, I look over. It's a green lowrider car, and the same guy that was in that car is in the driver's seat, only has a woman beside him as well. They both look at me. They both hiss at me. The same thing happens with their face. They run me off the road. I overcorrect. When I come back onto the road, the car goes flipping and spinning, and I get thrown out of the car going 60 miles an hour, uh, 60 yards away from the car. And uh, long story short, I should have died in that 
that most people who get ejected from cars don't survive. Um, I land in a ravine on concrete blocks. They had busted up the street and thrown the concrete down in a drop-off ravine. I landed on top of them. I woke up thinking, I'm in a dream, only to realize I'm not in a dream because I'm covered in blood and I'm cold, and you don't get cold in dreams that I can remember. Uh, thinking I'm going to die. I remember uh, a guy showed up. He had green eyes, mixed guy, had green eyes. And uh, every time he was around, I'd had peace that I'm going to be okay. Um, but when he would leave, I would get really anxious, like I'm going to, I'm going to die. Um, I would start cursing and whatever. So I passed out. I woke back up and I had an oxygen mask on me. The paramedics were there. And uh, stay awake. I'm freaking out. Finally, they let the guy come back because I'm asking for this guy. When he came back, I had peace again. And um, funny thing is, I went back to the scene of the car accident. My granddad ended up showing up at that car accident, by the way. They told him, we don't know if your grandson's going to live. Um, you know, he's got internal injuries. So my granddad goes down on his knees and prays and begs God for my life. He says, if you give my grandson his life, I'll give the rest of my life to you. At some point in this whole interaction, I know I'm going to be all right, but I know I'm hurt badly. And um, I went to the hospital. I had non-Christians come up to me and say, you know, the big man upstairs must have a plan for your life. You know, Uh, you shouldn't have lived in that car accident. You know, they're prophesying to me. I just don't realize it. You know, I don't know what I don't know. You think you come that close to life and death and you start questioning the meaning of life, you know, like, what am I here for? All this kind of stuff. But I was blind. I didn't know what I didn't know. I threw a party when I got home from the, from the hospital to take advantage of the attention I got from the girls, you know, like that I, that I survived. Like, I just didn't know what I didn't know. I think it's really important for the church to understand that, that when you're out there, no matter how lost the person is, no matter how angry they are, no matter how rude they are to you, even if you share your gospel, uh, share the gospel with them. They can be rude. They can act like they don't want the gospel. But I got good news for you. Everybody wants a king like Jesus. And if we represent him well, they'll want his body too. That's just you and I. You know, a lot of times, most people, it's not that they don't want Jesus. They don't want what they, their idea of Jesus. Can we demonstrate who he really is? Do we know who he really is so that we can be the manifestation of Christ on the earth? Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. And so I um, end up, um, going back to the scene of the car accident, nobody knows who that mixed guy with the green eye is. So I don't know if he was a Christian. I don't know if he was an angel. But anyway, I survived that. 18 years old. Fast forward. I go to uh, get a job as a painter, painting exterior homes. My first paint crew is uh, a bunch of guys who are addicted to crack cocaine and, and heroin co- and all this kind of stuff. Uh, just a bad environment to be in. And if you've ever worked in the trades, that's you know rampant, that kind of uh, activity. Um, and by the grace of God, I got switched over to a different paint crew, which was a bunch of radically saved African-American guys. <laughs> And these guys were saved in jail, saved, you know, from radical lifestyles of drug dealing. And they, every day they'd pick me up, they'd have Kirk Franklin blasting in the, in the van. And we get to the, um, we get to the job site. They would uh, grab hands in a circle and say, Hey, you want to pray with us? We're going to pray. They'd pray over our work for that day that we would glorify God. Nobody would get injured, uh, all that kind of stuff. And all day long, I'd be up on these ladders with these guys. We'd be talking about the Lord said this to me. The Lord said that to me, all this kind of stuff. And I've never seen a demonstration of somebody who's burning for Jesus, who is 
who is out loud about their faith, who doesn't care what anybody thinks. They just, they're in, they're in love with God. And um, I want to submit to you after today, you're going to, a lot of people here are going to be baptized in the love of God. And his love for you is going to be the thing that defines you more than what other people think. I believe that the fear of man and the fear of failure is going to break off of people in this room today. And so, um, but that's what happened to these guys. They're just, they were doing that. And around that same time, see my mom, whenever she would break up with a man, she would go to God. So she, she would go to the church for small seasons, uh, like two to three weeks, four weeks at a time. And so during this time, she was having a personal kind of revival time and she was listening to Joyce Myers. She gives me a Joyce Myers CD series called Interrupting Satan's Plan for Your Life. The whole thing was on prayer. And she gives me an application study Bible. And I start reading that application study Bible. The first book in the Bible that I read was Job, the book of Job. <laughs> start to finish. And... Um, and around that time, just with these guys, uh, I was crossing over the Coleman Bridge, which is the bridge that connects Yorktown, Virginia and Gloucester, Virginia. For the history buffs, you know that Yorktown is where the United States won our independence in the Revolutionary War from, from uh, England. And so I'm crossing that bridge. In the morning, I'd cross the bridge and the sun would be coming up. In the evening, I'd cross the bridge and the sun would be setting. And um, I remember that it was as if the, the heavens were testifying of the goodness of God every day. And it really is. If you read Psalm 19, I heard the audible voice of God once in my life. And he said to me, Psalm 19. And I didn't know what it said, but it was as I was watching the sunrise. Psalm 19 says, day into day utters speech, night into night knowledge. The sun is like a bridegroom coming out of its chamber, running its race from one side to the other side, and nothing is hidden from its heat. It goes on and talks about how the heavens are actually evangelizing to the earth. And actually, that's what... that's. That's what happened to me. I remember seeing that and looking at the river and seeing a fish that's in the river um, was created and born for the river. If it's up on the banks, it's not going to be happy and it's not going to live because it was created for the river. And all of a sudden, that simple thought led me to realize, hold on, God, you created me too. You created me for a purpose. You created me and you know what you created me for. And I'm guaranteed to live a fulfilled life if I give my entire life to you. And I gave my life to Jesus in my 1986 Dodge pickup truck that morning. And uh, my life's never been the same since. I was immediately an evangelist, immediately. I would instantly, I would pick up homeless people. I had no idea of the supernatural. I didn't know what I didn't know. Like, I didn't know that I could hear God's voice. I didn't really understand any of that, but I would pick homeless people up. I'd take them to Hardee's. And I'd give them a burger and some fries and I'd share my testimony with them and I'd invite them to get saved and they get born again. Boom, just like that. And I'd pick up hitchhikers, I'd whatever the case may be, and I'd just share my testimony. Listen, you've been given enough to share the gospel. You don't need more training, more training, more training. Like, listen, I love training. This is what I do. I travel around the world. I train, I equip, I do that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, if you're waiting for more training, if you're waiting for that uh, electricity encounter where the God comes and just shocks you, if you're waiting to be slain in the spirit, if you're waiting for something to happen to share the gospel, it might not ever happen that way. But I'm telling you, you've been given enough to share the gospel. If you've been born again, if you have a testimony, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And as you share your testimony, 
testimony of what God's done in your life. It is prophetic. It actually creates a prophetic environment where it's actually easier to get words of knowledge. It's easier to get words of wisdom, words of knowledge, meaning I know something about you that I couldn't know unless God revealed it to me. That's a, it's one of the prophetic gifts, one of the ways that God speaks to us. And it's one thing that I move in often on the streets that helps me to share the gospel supernaturally. But listen, if you share the, if you share your testimony, it actually creates an environment that's more conducive to hearing God's voice and to getting words of knowledge. And uh, so I just would share my testimony, being faithful with what I've been given. And then at the, uh, I think not too long after that, I heard a person sharing supernatural stories. He came to my Baptist church and he was sharing his supernatural conversion. And as he's sharing this, my hands begin to tingle as he's sharing this. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, what you once despised, I'm gonna use to bring healing to the nations. And I've always had dry hands, wrinkly kind of hands. I, I call them old man hands ever since I've been like 10 or 11 years old. And you know, when you're on the bus in kindergarten, you're, you're subconscious about, you know, whether you're going to get your mama jokes and joked on and all that kind of stuff. Like I would sit on my hands so that people wouldn't see my hands. Uh, so they wouldn't be the object of somebody's jokes. And the Lord said, what you once despised, I'm going to use to bring healing to the nations. And my hands were vibrating. And, and I didn't realize it was the Holy Spirit touching me. So I go up to this guy, Sean. He never got asked to speak again, by the way, at that Baptist church. <laughs> I go up to Sean and I say, hey, listen, this is what's happening. He began to share with me about the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.